0: Welcome to the St. Max 6 p.m. podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service.
1: So starting the first one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, "Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you." Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba and Abraham stayed in Beersheba.
0: Thank you Steph. evening everyone. Uh, my name is Ron. It's great to be here tonight. One of the uh, great joys of my life, and I know this ages me particularly for some of you, but one of the great joys of my life is being a grandfather. And uh, Just recently I got to spend a week with my grandson and he knew that I was there to play trains and diggers as you can see. Each morning when I arrived at his house, uh, he would see me come through the front door and his response was incredible. While Gramps, as I'm known to him, longed for that quintessential run up the hallway and big embracing hug, I was met with something quite different, but no less endearing. His eyes met mine. He processed who I was. He understood what I was there for. And then he simply said, Coming? And with that, he turned and headed toward the room with the trains. Two steps down, he turned around to check that I was indeed coming. And if there was any hesitation on my part, any sense of engaging with anyone else in the household, any cause for delay, he simply reminded me, Coming! My 21-month-old grandson was reminding me that you can't just say you're all in, you need to be all in. Today in our journey, which some of us have been on for a while through the messed up family of God, looking at some stories in Genesis, we reach the climax of the Abraham story. We see that you can't just say you're all in, you need to be all in. By way of recap, just to remind us or for those who might not have been here to bring you up to speed. Abraham's journey with God started with God making some really special and unique promises to him. Promises that Abraham would be a great nation, have lots of descendants and through him blessing would come to all nations. And Abraham initially trusted God and went to the land that God told him to go to, the land that God had promised him. But after that, it got pretty messed up pretty quickly. Abraham and his wife Sarah were anything but a blessing to others. They lied and deceived. They lacked care and compassion. At times, they were outright disobedient and cruel. Yet through it all, God continued to be kind to them. While they were unable to bear children, which made the promise that God had made them quite problematic, God reiterated to them that indeed he would bring a great nation out of a son born to them. After decades of waiting and after taking matters into their own hands, resulting in Abraham having a son to his wife's servant, Sarah finally, miraculously, conceives to Abraham and they, they have a son, Isaac. Isaac is the much-awaited son through whom God's promised blessing to the world would come. And so this story that we have before us is quite a unique story It's a story unlike any other and it has characters in it who are unlike any other character. And we read in the story that God comes to test Abraham. And the test involves something quite outrageous. It involves Abraham taking his much-loved son to Mount Moriah and sacrificing him as a burnt offering. Now, that raises some moral questions, yes? No? That raises some moral questions for us. Is it okay for God to make this request of Abraham? Is it okay for Abraham to seemingly go through with it without the slightest question or pushback? While we understand that ancient Near Eastern culture, the culture in which Abraham and Isaac lived, had a place for child sacrifice, it doesn't make it any less abhorrent. Why would God, who promises blessing, request slaughter? Why would God, who made humans in his own image, seemingly devalue human life? And why would Abraham, who loves his son, not refuse the request that God makes? These are the tensions that this story raises. Tensions that I think we need to sit in and sit with to understand the story. They were tensions for Abraham too. No less than three times in this passage is Isaac referred to as Abraham's only son, the son whom he loves. Abraham is acutely aware that Isaac is the son of the promise and there is no other son like him. The account in Genesis could have gone on to explore Abraham's emotions, but it doesn't. Rather than doing that, it highlights Abraham's response. Look at what Abraham does. He gets up early the next morning. He packs his bags, he chops his wood, and he heads to Mount Moriah with a couple of slaves and with Isaac. There's no second guessing for Abraham. No questioning of God, no discussion while he may not have realised it before, it seems like Abraham has realised that you can't just say you're all in, you have to be all in. Some might say that Abraham's response is blind faith, that it's foolishness, that he was stupid to do what he did. But I wonder, remember that Abraham has experienced Time and time again, God's incredible mercy and kindness culminating in the birth of the son that God had promised. At the end of chapter 21, Abraham calls God the eternal God or the enduring God. Abraham knows that God never fails rather than blind faith. Perhaps this faith is firmly grounded in what Abraham sees and knows of God's character. Abraham isn't just all in on the task, the task of sacrifice. Abraham is all in on the God of the promise. And we see this as the journey continues. As they approach Mount Moriah, Abraham takes Isaac. He leaves the slaves and the donkey and he says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. We will come back to you. What a fascinating thing to say. Some might say that Abraham's saying that because he's just trying to avoid the whole issue. But I think this is considered faith that he's actually thought it through. And so much does he trust the God of the promise that he tells the slaves, we will be back, not I will be back, we will be back. And we see this more clearly when uh, Isaac asks about the whereabouts of the sacrificial lamb. And Abraham replies, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Another way of saying this is God will see to it. Abraham knew that God was the one, the God who would see to it. He wouldn't fail on his promise. Writing about this event thousands of years later, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament observes this. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Abraham reasoned. He thought about this challenge that he was given and he reasoned that God would fulfil his promise even if it meant that God had to raise Isaac from the dead. Not only had Abraham carefully considered the actions that he did but I suspect that he talked to Isaac about them as well and I suspect that both are convinced that indeed God will see to it consider this scenario in light of the ages of abraham and isaac we know that abraham's a hundred in the shade he's well over a hundred and we know about isaac that he carries the wood that's no small physical task we also know about isaac that he inquires about the lamb about where this sacrificial lamb would be, that's no small cognitive task. It is most likely that Isaac is in his teenage prime. Make no mistake, if Isaac didn't want to be bound to the wood, he could have taken his old man out without too much fuss at all. Yet here, On Mount Moriah, on the altar, Isaac is bound. And here, Abraham takes out his knife. And the whole story slows down at this moment for us to feel the tension of what's happening. And just in the nick of time, the angel of the Lord, probably God himself, intervenes saying, don't harm the child. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham feared God. Abraham knew who God was and treated him with the appropriate reverence and respect. Abraham didn't just say that he was all in on trusting God, but he goes with him. And he sees God see to it for a lamb for the sacrifice. And he sees God see to it that the promise concerning Isaac would be fulfilled. Well, let's revisit our tension that we raised earlier. This test isn't just a random test. I hope you've already heard me say that this request is soaked in uh, the context of God's relationship with Abraham, Abraham and in the special significance of Isaac in God's unfolding promises. While other gods of the time may well have required child sacrifice, this God, the God who Abraham is learning to trust, the Lord God, is not like them. He never intended isaac to die in jeremiah chapter 7 we're told that god is abhorred by the practice of child sacrifice describing it as something i did not command nor did it enter my mind god makes people in his image he values people way more than you and i value people we are made in his image We are bearers of his image. He never intended Isaac to die. Abraham trusted that God would be true to his promises about Isaac, even if he was still learning that God wouldn't allow him to sacrifice his child. And so in this story, God is shown to be concerned about the flourishing of his family. But there is still something here that is a little bit uneasy about in me about God making the request. You know, I've been thinking about this passage for the best part of the last week and have had times of real unease about this request. And I've had to settle that by wrestling with God in my own mind about, about this story and, and what God's asking. And I've come to a place where I can sit with it. And let me just tell you why, how I get to that place. I sit with it because of what I don't know. There's a whole lot of things that I don't know about the culture of that time. And there's a whole lot of things that I don't know about the mind of God. I sit with it because of what I don't know. But more importantly, I sit with it because of what I do know. What I do know about the character of God who's kind and compassionate, faithful and true, who values the humans that he's made. I sit with it because of what I do know about God. And I actually think that's what happened for Abraham as well. That in this outrageous request, he was able somehow to find peace because of what he did know about the Lord God, about what God had been teaching him throughout this journey about his kindness and mercy to him that would never fail there is a practical question that this raises for us though uh, that this story raises for us do we believe like Abraham that God will see to it for us You know, we live at a particular time in culture that some people call a grey zone, a period of transitioning between cultural norms. And it can be incredibly unsettling and we feel that often in our day-to-day lives. We experience radical polarisation of opinions. We experience uncertainty. And often the views of others, even other Christian believers, can feel miles away from our own. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing in this stage of history. But do we trust that God will see to it, that he is seeing to it, both for us and for others? And will we commit then to trusting God's word, to loving people the way that God calls us to, even when we have radical differences with them? and even when we have all sorts of questions. We can't just say we're all in when the task feels right. We need to be all in on the God of the promise. Let me go back to my grandson for a moment. When he saw me hesitate to talk to his parents, how dare I, he may have thought that I'd forgotten my promise to him. What he couldn't understand what he is unable at the moment to comprehend is that I was way more committed to fulfilling my promise to him than he would ever know. How much truer that is with God. He is more committed to fulfilling his promise to us than we can fully comprehend. And in this story, while it seemed like God required Abraham to go all in for God, it is really God who goes all in for Abraham and for Isaac. God sought to both the sacrifice and to his promise. And on that place, the place that Abraham called, the Lord will see to it, God goes all in for us as well. And God goes all in for us in the person of Jesus. Jesus, the one like Isaiah, declared by a heavenly voice to be my son whom I love. Like Isaiah, Jesus appeared on this place, on Mount Moriah, carrying wood on the very place that God called the Lord will see to it. On that place, Jesus carried the wood of the cross. Like Isaac, Jesus was willingly bound to the wood. Yet Jesus was bound trusting not that God would provide the lamb, but Jesus was bound willingly to be the lamb for us, to be the one who took the sacrifice for the sin of the world that we could live. And Jesus was bound to the cross, to his wood, trusting not that God would keep his promise, but being the very fulfilment of the promise of God, of being the one through whom blessing would come to all nations. In Jesus, God saw to it. In Jesus, God goes all in for you and for me. Isaac was spared. But rather than spare his own son, God gave him up for us that we might live. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. In Jesus, God's promise is fulfilled. In Jesus, a sacrifice for the sin of the world has been made. In Jesus, God makes a sacrifice for his family that his family could never make for him. He has gone all in for us. He has gone all in for you. Nothing more needs to be done. God has seen to it in Jesus. Yet there is a tension that remains. It's not the tension of the outrageous request of God to Abraham but the tension that comes from the outrageous sacrifice of God offering his son for you. How do you resolve that tension? Let me pray. Lord God, thank you that you have gone all in for us in Jesus. Thank you that because of your great love, you have sacrificed for us that we, by believing in you, will not die but live. Father, encourage us in your love and strengthen us, knowing that you are all in for us to be all in with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another, and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatt's.org.au, And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.